Is your business suffering due to supply chain issues? Overwhelmed by the prospect of manufacturing? You don't need to have all your eggs in one basket. Burnett International can help you expand your sourcing network and more. Today's sponsor has successfully guided businesses like yours through all stages of product development, sourcing, and manufacturing for nearly 40 years. Stay tuned for the mid-show segment and learn how Burnett International can help you, too. Welcome to episode 213 of the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals where you can strengthen your creative business, stay up to date on industry news, and build connections within our supportive trade association. Check it out at craftindustryalliance.org. Today on the show, we are talking about building a community through knitting and crochet, with my guest, Jewel Washington. Jewel is the Chicago-based maker and entrepreneurial designer of North Knits. She learned to knit in college and launched North Knits in 2014. Jewel pursues simple living through her passion for DIY, pattern design, stacking her yarn shelf, and providing business and entrepreneurial advice to fellow crafters. As the founder of Our Maker Life, a global maker movement, she's connected more than 120,000 fellow fiber creatives in the knit, crochet, and yarn industry via maker meetups, published books, and social media. She enjoys traveling and sweet cuddles with her kitten, Dewey. Jill Washington, welcome. Hi, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to talk with you. One of the reasons is because you are going to be the keynote speaker at H&H Americas, which is incredibly exciting. We will get to that as we are talking, but that is one of the reasons that I'm so excited to have you on the show. And let's start a little bit uh, back and find out where you grew up and what your household was like when you were a kid. Yes, I am so excited to be a keynote speaker. <laughs> um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, just rewinding back. So I um, am born, um, or I was born in Denver, Colorado. Um, so um, yeah, but I actually grew up in South Carolina. So I moved to South Carolina um, with my mom and my sisters when I was five years old. So, um, you know, the South is home <laughs> for me. And um, yeah, I grew up in a really, really small town and um, eventually moved to a slightly bigger town in South Carolina um, for high school and um, really, really fell in love with um, writing and journalism, really realized that I could use it as um, a career path in high school. And so I eventually ended up going to the University of South Carolina, um, where I studied journalism and mass communications. And um, ironically, but not ironically, <laughs> at the same time, came across the um, the art of um, knitting and so taught myself how to knit. And it, it's just um, really awesome how at the same time I was learning about um, fiber and craft and knitting, it was also really helping me with my um, with my mental wellness and my emotional health and really just being able to get through college doing all of the things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. A hundred percent. So were you into art and things like that also when you were a kid or was that something you kind of discovered about yourself later, like in, in the college years? Yeah, um, it was definitely something that I discovered later in my college years. I can remember when I first sort of um, got into the community and industry, I would hear all these beautiful stories, um, you know, from filmmakers about how their grandparents or their parents taught them um, how to knit or how to crochet. And I can remember having a little bit of imposter syndrome um, because I, I didn't um, really know much of anything. I do have... I, do recall one um, memory where my grandmother, uh, my maternal grandmother, she actually is an amazing um, crocheter. So she does know how to crochet. And it was right around the time when I was in high school 
my grandmother would make my mom and my sisters and I these beautiful um, chevron. I later, later realized they were chevron uh, stitch, but she would make these beautiful chevron Afghan blankets for us. And she would make them in our school colors or if there was a, a cool color that my mom um, wanted. And so, you know, I, I did grow up with these beautiful Afghans always laid on the back of our couches. And um, my grandmother would make full-on Afghan size blankets in like a day or two. And then she would ship them to us, um, to the Carolinas from Colorado where she lives. And one time she sent um, she sent a blanket and had in cursive written down the entire pattern for it. And so it was in all of like, um, you know, it was all written in crochet terminology and in her cursive handwriting. And I just remember at the time thinking like, what is, what is this? And, and my mother was like, you know, write back to your grandmother. And I was like, well, I don't really know what to say. Cause I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting that how like, <laughs> yeah, that's like imprinted in your memory. Um, of, so you had a little taste through her of sort of the yeah. meaning of handmade and, also, even the, the design instructions, so interesting. So um, so how did you learn um, to knit in college? Was there a roommate who, you know, was knitting and you saw that and asked to learn? Or did you find it online? Or how did you learn to knit? Yeah, it's actually really exciting. Um, it's just very interesting how sort of life has so much irony, so much beautiful irony to it. But um, I actually learned, um, or first came into knitting through a meetup, basically. <laughs> so a, a little bit of irony there. Um, I was actually a resident advisor in um, my dorm, which was um, a social community. Um, so, it, it, you know, there was a lot of um, activities that you were in required to be involved in in order to to live in the in the residential college is what it's called on USC campus and um, so they would have gardening you could pick up piano you could pick up drawing um, all different types of things so I was a resident advisor and um, you know just I, I was kind of I can remember at times being just stressed out and overwhelmed because I was you know juggling, you know, full, a full course load worth of classes and then having to be supportive for uh, a dorm full of 300 students. <laughs> and one of my fellow RAs, he actually had organized a knit night. His mother knew how to knit. Um, so he said, yeah, Joe, I know you've been really stressed. And so you could kind of like knock out two birds with one stone of like going to an event as an RA and also maybe get something like stress relieving from this. He's like, cause I, I knit with my mom every now and then, and it, it's actually a, a good stress reliever. So, um, I did, I went to the knit night, um, but she actually didn't show us how to knit there. She just only showed how to cast on. And she really just sort of explained like the purpose of knitting needles and the purpose of yarn and, and how it can be, um, you know, an, an anxiety de-stressor. So um, I just remember uh, casting on like 50 stitches. And in that moment, it was like an hour knit night or something like that. I just felt so peaceful. Like my mind just completely was like not on things that were stressing me out and it just seemed fun. And I really enjoyed doing something with my hands because I I wasn't a kid that grew up like doing a lot of drawing or, you know, I wasn't like um, an artsy <laughs> creative kid uh, other than, you know, just writing was, was sort of my outlet. Um, but it was so nice to be able to do something crafty with my hands. And um, yeah, so I learned how to cast on. And that very next day, I remember I spent like what little money I had in my bank account. I like, like just cashed it out <laughs> at Joanne's. That's <laughs> so amazing. So I like, drove down to Joanne, um, uh, you know, the fiber store and because uh, they didn't really have a lot of local yarn stores that I was familiar with in, in Columbia, South Carolina is where I lived. And um, so I just went to Joann's and that was my first time there. And I uh, purchased a ton of yarn and I got knitting needles and I just spent days um, practicing that, you know, the cast on technique. And then I wanted to learn garter stitch. So I YouTubed how to do garter stitch. And then I practiced that. And so I would make scarves for, for my mom and my sister. And I pretty much did that um, all the way uh, through the remainder of college. It was about my junior year 
And um, yeah, I, I pretty much just made scarves the entire time and only garter stitch. <laughs> like I, I, I wouldn't like go out of that lane. Um, but yeah, that's, that's how I fell into yeah, it. Yeah. In, I think, um, I think that's a really common story around going to Joanne or Michael's yes. and just <laughs> getting, you know, maybe the yarn that's like the cheapest or whatever, not really understanding mm-hmm. anything about fiber content, but just wanting to have the materials to start. And I think that um, it's really important to recognize the role that those um, sort of big box mainstream players have in our industry, because that is the first place you go when you don't have anything yeah. and don't know yet, you know, what, whether you even like doing this, you know? Right, right. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's full circle, obviously, because now I, I get to have these amazing meetup events with, with others so that they can, you know, create their own craft story and, I um, also have this great pleasure to, you know, to have Joanne be a part of our event. So it's just like super amazing of how my story yeah. um, started with them in many ways and, and has continued on. A hundred percent. And and yeah. I also love that you learn in community and um, and how, how nice that is to learn with a group in that way and to be introduced to it um, that way. So after you, you graduated from the University of South Carolina um, with this degree in journalism and uh, loving journalism, yeah. um, uh, did you move to Chicago right after that for grad school or was there some in-between time? Yeah, there was some in-between time because I knew that I wanted to go to graduate school, but I really um, hadn't decided what I was going to study. And in journalism, um, at least at the time, it was a little bit better to go ahead and just work in the field instead of going into, you know, get your master's for journalism. So I actually worked in political reporting um, for a TV news station, um, sort of like a a post-grad apprenticeship um, for a few years. So I did stay in South Carolina for a couple of years. And then one of my best friends moved here to Chicago and and went to um, an amazing university here, uh, Roosevelt University, which, um, again, it had this really interesting like social community aspect to the university, very, very focused on social justice and um, also had a great journalism program. (laughs) So um, after a few years, basically, of working in the field, I wanted to go back into school and my friend encouraged me to um, move to Chicago. And I was like, well, I heard it was cold there. Like, why <laughs> yeah. <you> go there? <laughs> and she was like, oh, no, it's not that cold. It's not that cold. It'll be fine. Um, so uh, she was like, once I did move here, she was like, yeah, I, I totally lied to you. It's be very cold. Very cold. <laughs> you will need that yarn. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I ended up moving to um, Chicago, just on, on blind trust. Um, I just drove here and um, attended school here and also got back into residential life. And uh, so I kind of went the next level up instead of a resident advisor. I was a graduate hall coordinator. Um, I was editor in chief of my school newspaper. And I just thought it was very natural of just, well, the, the, the other thing that I did in school and undergrad that kept me very calm and focused was, was yarn and my knitting. So um, I'm like, it makes so much more sense here. It is freezing. And um, so I picked it back up and it, it really actually took off as far as how people were much more interested in um, having a scarf for me. So I would um, spend quite a bit of time in grad school making scarves in our school colors <laughs> for other people. And people were like, oh, I'll pay you for it. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You don't have, you don't have to pay me for it. Just, just wear it. Because my mom wouldn't always wear my scarves in like 100 degree weather in South Carolina. I'm like, so if I just see you around campus, I just want to see you wearing it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, um, that's that's how I transitioned from South Carolina to Chicago. Okay. And so now that you have your credential, and by the way, it's so interesting how much you're a community builder and community leader through all of these, you know, undergrad and in graduate school. Like it just seems like you're really drawn to doing that, which is really interesting. But after you finished your graduate school program, um, did you work in the journalism field again, um, go back and and get a job in that field? I did. So I went to Roosevelt University um, with a focus on print journalism, where in undergrad it was focused on broadcast. So I I did get a little bit of diversity there also with the focus on um, political reporting via editing. So um, grad school was definitely very interesting. It it went by so fast, but it was such an amazing time. And um, one of the things that makes Roosevelt um, 
a, a really, really, really good school here in Illinois and in the Midwest is um, so many people who actually work in the industry actually come back to the university as professors and things like that. So I actually had um, two wonderful opportunities. One um, was working through the, um, or working for the Chicago Tribune um, for their opinion editorial board, um, sort of during the tail end of my time in grad school and, and shortly after I got out. So that was an amazing experience. And from there, I also got to work for um, an affiliate radio station here with National Public Radio, um, the Chicago um, News Affiliate. So I did um, political reporting. I'm actually on their copy desk uh, for for NPR WBEZ and, and got to do some great adventures running around the city <laughs> and interviewing people. Um, and it again, it, it also, it just always went like, you know, twofold of folding in into my passion for, for fiber arts because I just saw so many people, um, you know, unfortunately on the streets and who were cold and who I just thought, you know, I just took me back to my grandmother of like how they could so benefit from like a beautiful warm Afghan blanket or, or a beautiful scarf or something like that, um, because I was always out and, you know, doing reporting and traveling around the city. Um, and um, I also had a great opportunity to work for a business news magazine here. I, I actually picked up, uh, yeah, video production and copy editing there and did that for a couple years and have since um, transferred over a little bit more onto the marketing side. Um, and obviously doing all of the things. Yeah, <laughs> so I, and, oh no. I'd love to talk a little bit about your day job now, and then we can kind of loop back to the launch of North Nets. Um, so, um, so you do, it sounds like you do still have a day job and, um, and, and it's in marketing. Um, so you kind of um, took your journalism skills and put them in that context. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like for you now. Yes. Yeah, so currently um, I'm a marketing coordinator for an architectural and engineering firm. And I, I did sort of fall into it after um, through recommendations of the last um, newspaper that I worked for. Um, so yeah, I definitely still get to apply a lot of my writing and editing and, and actually social media skills Um but, you know, the, the advent uh, and the nature of the journalism industry has just radically changed <laughs> um, in the last five years through technology and social media. And, um, yeah, so just transferred into that sort of fell in, into um, the marketing side of things and have worked for a couple of engineering firms where we get to do like really cool projects. So um, but like I said, mostly it's me doing a lot of writing, a lot of editing of the content, which I thought it was really cool because they're like, well, we're not the best writers, we're engineers. And I'm like, well, I have, you know, I don't really have at all any engineering experience, but much like reporting, it's so, uh, it's such a very topic of things that you have to research and then learn how to tell a story and write around that. So um, they're like, you know, you help us, we'll help you. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, we can tell you what we need written and then you can, you can write it well and, and form a story around it. So um, yeah, that's, that's my day job. And I've just gotten so much um, great experience really on the mass communications uh, peg of, of my degree. So yeah, I, I can remember, especially once I really started to um, indulge in, in the fiber arts and craft industry as a business, feeling very, um, again, timid and a little bit of imposter syndrome and like sort of a pressure of like, well, should I, I should I leave, you know, um, one thing for another. And over the last five years or so have just really gotten a lot of confidence to, to celebrate my hard work and what I went to school for and also realize just how instrumental my skills are for um, not only just uh, the career path that I have, but, you know, um, how I run my businesses through my passions. Yeah, so it's absolutely. Been nice to, yeah, kind of come to kind of come to grips with like, um, I can do both and I, I don't have to feel pressure that I have to do one or the other. That's amazing. And, um, and, and I want to talk a little bit about North Knits. So, um, this is a, a pattern company that you launched in 2014. Um, and can you describe kind of what it's about and how you decided that you should have this presence in the yarn world? 
Yes. So I I really just felt um, a calling when I was in grad school. Again, I was knitting scars for um, my classmates and people who I was staying on campus with. And again, seeing so um, a lot of homelessness here in Chicago and wanted to do something. And so I started um, knitting scarves and I would just hand them out on the streets and I wanted to do more. There is a um, interestingly, a magazine here called Streetwise, and um, you can um, like donate to their magazine and to their mission. So um, I was just at the time um, talking with one of my friends and he was like, hey, you know, you're you're always doing that knitting thing and, and you want to do something, you know, to give back um, in the city. So maybe, you know, you're always on Etsy. Why don't you just, you know, open one of those Etsy shops and then sell your stuff that way. He's like, you should just sell it. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And so, um, that's really where, um, I got the idea to, um, try and run a business around my knitwear. So um, I actually came up with the name. It's an acronym and it has a spiritual tie for me. So it's called North Knits, um, but it, it's an acronym for needing, obeying, rejoicing, and thanking him. Um, so it, it's my um, tie to just a higher spirit and universe because, again, I always feel like I go to that place, that place of peace and calm and serenity when I'm knitting and I wanted to to have um, the name of my shop be representative of that. And then I also thought it was kind of cool because it speaks to cold, you know, north. <laughs> True. Um, I hope people don't get it confused and think I live like up north. Of the <laughs> <laughs> but um, I get it confused with North Face or something like that. But all of my family and friends, they were actually very supportive of the name because I was like, should I do it like Jules Cozy Scars or something? They're like, no, 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 I like North Knits. <laughs> um, so I opened my Etsy shop and um, 10% of all of the scarf sales that I had, I would donate it to Streetwise. Um, and so I just, I got explosive just response from people um, when I was knitting um, or wearing my scarves, like at work, um, after I graduated and things like that. And, and um, launched my or started my Instagram page right around the same time and just got so much interest and really just found out like how expansive and beautiful the the industry and the community is online, particularly through social media. So um, when I first started, I was uh, making finished pieces. Um, again, like scarves were my lane. <laughs> I was like, I can do a garter stitch scarf for you, um, but also started to get like custom requests, which really pushed me out of my comfort zone to try and learn new stitches and experiment with different types of yarns that I had never explored different, you know, really started to get into the world of, of yarn weights and tensions and shaping and things like that. Um, and so that's, that's how North Knits came to be. Is your business suffering due to supply chain issues? Isn't everyone's? It's time to diversify your sourcing network. Do I have time for that? By expanding your sourcing network with Burnett International, our network becomes your network, eliminating years worth of research, risk-taking, and relationship building. Diversifying your sourcing network on a global scale saves you time and money. By supporting multiple suppliers, you are creating healthy economic competition and taking comfort in knowing that when one channel of the supply chain falls short, another option is available to keep your product moving. Are you overwhelmed by the prospect of manufacturing? Has your business outgrown your home office or studio? Are you stopping yourself from hiring because you think you're not quite there yet? I don't know where to start, who to trust, and to be honest, I simply can't afford to take a big risk. By partnering with family-owned Burnett International, we have the expertise to assess where your business is currently positioned within the craft and textile industries and to identify which steps are needed to prepare for the growth that your business is capable of. As fellow members of Craft Industry Alliance, we are offering you a free business diagnostic session. You can get started right now by signing up at burnettintl.com slash promo or email us at fabricteam at burnettintl.com. Burnett International will be there to scale your business, minimize obstacles that stunt growth like financing and logistics, and maximize your time without adding overhead. With decades of experience, Burnett International will evaluate your sourcing network for reliability, sustainability, and diversity. Burnett International will connect the dots between suppliers, manufacturers, and logistics, delivering your designs right to your front door. Let's make a plan today. We will convert sourcing and mail communication hours, getting you back to the heart of your business and creativity. 
Sign up for your free session now at burnettsintl.com slash promo. B-E-R-N-E-T-I-N-T-L dot com slash promo. The Burnett team is excited to get to know you and make you a part of our global network. Let's make a plan today. Today. Remember the first time that you went to a local yarn shop and kind of saw that side of the industry? It was the very first day I moved to Chicago. <laughs> I was so timid to, um, you know, pick up and leave home from South Carolina. It seemed so far away, and I had never ever been to Chicago. So I was googling online, like, you know. Um, where I would live, but also like if there were like yarn stores there. And I remember seeing a local yarn store online and I said, if I get to Chicago, if I actually am able to do this, that's the first place I'm going to. (laughs) So um, when I actually got here, I I went to Target and then I went to the local yarn store (laughs) and it was an amazing experience. I remember being so excited because they had classes. So it it brought me back to like, you know, that community aspect again um, of, you know, support of where you could learn and grow your skills. Um, So it was, it was actually the first day (laughs) um, that I moved here to Chicago. And and again, like cashed out my checking for the yarn (laughs) when I was like worth it. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Okay. And so, um, and so, not too long after you launched North Knits, maybe two years later, you founded this community, which is called Our Maker Life, with several other people. It was a collaboration at the start. And how did you meet them and come to this idea that we should create a community? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's kind of a little um, probably esoteric, but it's the truth. Um, you know, journalism for so long since I was like 17 years old was such a passion and is still in many ways such a passion of mine. I, I've always loved to write, but I just, I guess I started to feel a calling um, that it wasn't going to be my my forever, forever path. Um, I initially wanted to like move to New York and go work for a big TV station. And I just, um, doors never really opened in that area. And so I don't know, I just kind of um, even from my time in South Carolina, I got visions of that I would reach the masses in a different way. Like I just felt this calling that I like mass communication wasn't actually going to be through um, journalism and news reporting. And, you know, I was just like, OK, well, <laughs> I love to write. I love journalism. So that's what I'm going to keep doing. Um, but um once I got on Instagram and I saw that there was just this large community um, online, but I didn't see a lot of um, people really coming together, I guess, like offline. I mean, I'm sure it was definitely happening, but where I, what I saw was a lot of people would have, like we would have our Etsy shops and maybe we were doing patterns, um, collaborations and maybe, you know, also selling the finished pieces. But I just was like, it just brought me back to my USC days of like, I wonder if people, you know, want to meet up and and not necessarily meet up online because I just felt a lot of pressure, I guess, to make sure people really knew me and knew my story and and understood me um, through my Instagram and, you know, trying to take the perfect picture and, and say the perfect thing. And I also... Um, was very, very interested and excited to meet other people because for so long at this point, I had been um, knitting for probably well over five years and didn't really know other people who were like fellow knitters or anything like that. And, you know, once I realized that there was community there, I really, really wanted to be a part of that. And um, the the closest I was connected with it at the time was I was like DMing <laughs> with other with other knitters who I had found their Instagram pages and they actually had really, really large followings. And so, um, you know, we had been friends for, I mean, yeah, like I said, I got on Instagram in 2014. So right around 2016, I just kind of thought about it and I was like, hey, I've actually never met you, Kelly. Let's talk. <laughs> every day, all day about yarn. And it really it grew into a friendship. Like we talked about life and our relationships and 
Um, I was really, really close friends with um, uh, the OML co-founder, uh, Kelly Brooks and Nathan and Allison and Kathleen. And we just, we had this great friendship and, and bond and I loved their shops. And so um, I just, I just went for it and I just, you know, I was like, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And I just kind of kind of put a call out, uh, a mass DM to people and said, hey, what do you guys think of like meeting up with each other? I know I have some friends who I've never met. I know that they have some followers, I think, who would love to meet them because people would kind of say that online, like, oh, it would be so cool to meet you. Um, and I said, so, hey, you know, like if you're interested, like let me know. And, and ironically, the people who I was talking with and, and developing friendships with said, hey, you know, yeah, I'll help you. Like we could we could try to do something like that. And um, so that's how um, our maker life came to be. We came up with the name and we sent out emails to um, you know, makers in the community and said, hey, if we if we orchestrated something, um, where would you want to have it? Because we actually all lived in different places all over the world. Um, like Kelly lives in Canada and um, our other OML co-founder, Nathan, um, lives in the Virginia, D.C. area and Kathleen's down in Texas. <laughs> um, so, you know, we were like, where where would you guys want us to host it? And New York City was the um, first um, vote for where we would have our first meetup. And it was just such a huge success. Um, you know, it wasn't a sold out arena worth of people, but the energy and the, and the spirit that, you know, that you experienced at OML, everyone felt the good vibes and they wanted to do it again. And the second that the event happened, I felt just so much peace and just full circle of this is what you're supposed to be doing for the masses. Like this is your calling. This is what you went to school for. This is why you've been learning editing and social media and writing and marketing. This is why you've been doing this. And I was just so excited. So, so very scared, <laughs> um, but equally so excited. And um, I thought, okay, if it's just a one hit wonder, that's cool. Um, but we asked people like, well, what could we have done better? Um, and they were like, you did everything fine. Just make the next one bigger. <laughs> so we went at it again. And so, yeah, um, our, our maker life was launched in 2016 and we have annual meetup events and it's just been so thrilling and so exciting to have my story be a part of it and to really lean into my calling for, for community. And what, is an our maker life event in other words okay so i want to go i get there what kinds of activities are available is it like classes on particular techniques or stitches is it like lectures is it just like social lounge type setup or what what happens at one of these events so at its core that's that's a great question at its core our maker life is a, a networking and conferencing event so we um, generally have had two keynote speakers, and they are fellow makers in the community, typically who are running their own small business. So um, we've had some amazing keynote speakers um, in the past for our upcoming event. We're going to have two amazing speakers, one of them being um, Tony Lipsy, who is an amazing crocheter, businesswoman, um, community ins inspirationalist and entrepreneur and all of the things, um, as well as Shelly Martinez who is an amazing designer and, and crafter as well. So um, we are really excited to have them. And we've always had amazing duos um, at our OML event. So it is primarily where we have keynote um, speakers to encourage and inspire on the small business angle. And then we also have representatives from Big Box um, yarn stores who also speak as well um, because I know one of the things that I really wanted as, as an individual crafter was a way to get into the industry. It's like, how do you meet someone at Joann's? How do you meet someone at Lion Brand? Um, and I knew that it existed because I could see some people doing pattern designing and things like that, but didn't know how to knock on those doors. And also felt um, a lot of... Um, you know, like just anxiety and sort of intimidation around it. Like, why would they even want to collaborate with me? <laughs> and so I knew it because I was feeling that others were probably feeling that as well. And we just had such immediate, um, it's just so kind of 
um, interesting to think about, but we had so much immediate support from, from big box brands like We Are Knitters, like Lion Brand Yarn, like Joanne and Michael's Crafts, who said, hey, how can we support you? How can we support your community? Um, we're looking for, um, you know, makers to work with, and we know that you guys are looking for us. And so this is just like a, a great tie, a great way to meet up with each other. So um, it's really been um, a core part of our events as well. And um, the sort of third core part of our event is to have a knit along um, because I'm like, it's got to be all about the yarn <laughs> and all about the knitting. So people bring their own whips. And as we're listening to our conversations, you know, we'll knit throughout the day. Um, but we also have a, a really big knit along um, as well. So it's a, it's a single day, eight hour event with um like I said, conversations. We also have a panel where we will have our keynote speakers, um, both on the small business and large business aspect, as well as the team sort of do like a, an, an open discussion Q&A. So people who want to ask anything, it, it's like a free for all. You can ask things that are business related, um, everything from business to to social dynamics. Um, so that that's an OML event. And Somehow it's eight hours that always ends up feeling like eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. And so yeah. um, I know um, that, you know, obviously event-based businesses had a lot of difficulty during the pandemic over these last two years. Um, and But you, you're coming back. And so um, tell us um, when the tickets will go on sale for the upcoming one, because it's coming up this summer in Portland. Yes. So our upcoming um, OML event is going to be in Portland on July 23rd. And like you said, we're so excited. Obviously, with um, the pandemic, so many things came to a screeching halt. So this is actually a, a restart from our 2020 um, planned event. So we had actually um, sold out um, in 2019 in expectation of meeting up in Portland. Um, so um, yeah, all of our attendees who have planned from that will be there. And we've also, um, you know, just being very cognizant of meeting up safely and things like that. But we ha have had the great opportunity to be able to open up an extended registration and additional seats. So um, yeah, we're really excited about registration that's actually happening next week <laughs> so that we can have some additional familiar faces um, at the event. And yeah, I'm very, very excited about it. And um, I, one of the things that I've been consistently just so impressed with is your North Knits Instagram, as well as our Maker Life Instagram. Um, and I wondered, I mean, these are accounts that you know, those accounts on Instagram where every photo is beautiful and it all matches. <laughs> this photo matches the last one and the next one and they all go together. They look, you know, all of a kind, so like thoughtful and artfully done. And so I wondered if you could talk a little bit about the Instagram strategy that you use and how you think about Instagram. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, it's sometimes hard for me to admit, but I am a perfectionist <laughs> at heart. So um, for my North Knits um, social media, it is a lot of that, which it's, it's so interesting to just sort of step outside of yourself, yourself and see the perspective of how people view you versus how you view yourself. Um, because a, a lot of how I think about and structure my, my posts um, was a little bit rigid and perfectionist and people just leaned into it so much. And it was like, Oh, it's so pretty. And I'm like, okay, good. Um, but also I was like, just trying to not have it be wrong, I guess. Um, but over the years of having my um, Instagram, I just, my social media strategy is really to try to be genuinely me. And so um, that does include my perfectionist for just making sure, you know, that that knitting needle is placed just right. Like I'm showing my stitches just right, but also to just showcase my personality. Um, you know, I've always loved neutral based yarns and, and chunky yarns. Um, so to be able to um, show that aesthetic and to have it feel like it's um, you know, something that people can experience with me. So I love to show the yarn that I bought and show that off. And then as I'm making the piece to just show a continuation of that. So like you said, um, 
it does have a very concise look and flow to it um, that is purposeful, but also to show that knitting is a process. And um, there are definitely times where we, you know, put our project down and then pick up another one. But I really like to show, you know, the the journey of making a piece that I'm working on from start to finish, because that's how it really is for me. And um, I love to make in the morning when I have my coffee and I have my, my good vibes going, I have my candles lit, I have my music going. And so I just really love, love to evoke that um, on my um, feed and in my stories. I, I'm able to get a little bit more casual and, and informal and comfortable on my stories to show people like where I live here in Chicago and how it is to be a maker in the city um, and, you know, to do some fun reels to, to show my finished sweater um, and how it looks on and things like that, or to show a finished scarf that I'm working on, as well as to support other crafters. I'd love to support indie yarn dyers and um, fellow pattern designers and to just show how beautiful um you know, crafting is. And I certainly started from, you know, zero followers and and, an iPhone 5. (laughs) So also a part of um, my strategy has been to just continue to grow and to keep trying because I certainly didn't think that I had um, perfect, you know, the most perfect high resolution photos when I first started. And I wanted to cry at times (laughs) because I wanted that perfect photo. But it's always um, for me to just like keep trying, keep posting, keep sharing. And and you'll look back on the journey and you'll see your growth and you'll see how everything is is beautiful, just, you know, at its core and as it is. So um, to just be genuine, to be authentically myself and to not be afraid to say what's on my mind, my captions are often around me just having a conversation, um, you know, and saying, hey, this is what I'm watching on Netflix, or hey, this is how my heart is really heavy around this issue that's going on in the world, or, um, you know, hey, how are you guys feeling, you know, living amongst the global pandemic, um, and just having those, and also, you know, while we're talking about it, here's here's this really cool, chunky sweater that I'm working on, so, um, you know, just to I think to share, and that is so much um, of who I am and my story and and what knitting has been to me and also what I want to um, have been able to and always hope to evoke um, at OML events. And so the strategy with OML, um, while as founders, we are knitters and crocheters and pattern designers ourselves, um, it's also, you know, we wanted to showcase the stories and the authenticity of other makers. So the strategy with that has always been to feature other makers. And, um, you know, we, we all, we often get compliments about how beautiful the feed is. And it's just, it's, um, very, um, you know, just thrilling to know that it's, it's not much of anything that, um, you know, we're, we're doing outside of just featuring, like, it just really shows that what we do in and of itself is beautiful. Um, and it's, and it's diverse. <laughs> um, so, you know, we show everything from, you know, fingering lace weight yarn to super chunky sweaters and funny reels to, you know, calm, cool reels and stories and things like that. And it's just, it's, it's a beautiful maker life. And that was the, the intent. Um, and so it's really been an amazing journey to see and help unfold to the world. And do you feel like your skills and years of experience working in journalism and broadcast journalism and print journalism, you know, one of the things and and I do some journalism myself. And one of the things that you have to quickly overcome is cold calling people, People sometimes hang up, they don't want to talk to you, all of that kind of yeah. thing. You just have to kind of get over it and be like, oh, oh yeah. just try, try calling the next one, try to get a quote <laughs> from somebody, you know, so you kind of just get over that a little bit. And um, you also, um, I think as a journalist, learn to do really good research, um, finding mm-hmm. out how to get a hold of somebody, finding out what is what the backstory is on different things. So I wondered if some of those skills helped you as you were building our maker life to say like, I can call, you know, this brand and ask for this kind of partnership or write this kind of pitch to show them what we have to offer and and that kind of thing. 100% Abby, that that's such a great point. And absolutely. Um, 
I uh, where I attended school at USC, I can remember um, one of the things that um, my professors always talked about was a prediction of just where where journalism and mass communication and social media and technology would collide ten years um, from you know from the time mm-hmm. and they knew I, I, <laughs> they called it. I, I will say mm-hmm. like they said it would be like this um, and what they called it at the time was just like convergence journalism or convergence reporting. So I really learned and studied how to um, mix all of these different platforms together because I learned like this is where the industry is going to be. So you will need to know all of these skills. And um, so I absolutely know that um, how I edit, how I connect that with the message and a vision, like you said, how I'm not afraid, like reporting, um, you know, I've worked for news outlets like that have said like, yeah, you, your whole, you know, your whole job is to go out on the street, you know, get a one man band interview. Don't come back until you have three <laughs> and you got to walk up to people. You have to be bold and you have to be unafraid. And like you said, you have to be willing to put yourself out there as an entrepreneur and um, a business person and say, hey, this is what I bring to the table. And and this is how I think we could make a great partnership and being absolutely OK with hearing a no. Like right. you said, like closed doors and no thank yous and not right nows. Those are sometimes the things on the on the business and industry side that we don't want to hear. But I definitely have learned and gained so much experience um, in the last you know, 10 or so years of, of really doing um, mass communications of like, that's such a part of the journey and that's such a part of business. Uh, and for every no that you hear, you're going to, you're going to get to that. Yes. And sometimes I've heard yeses um, through running my businesses that have been very immediate. And I also have heard no's and, and not right now's. And um, even, even within myself, you know, of, of when I want to do something, um, I've had to learn how to tell myself no and, and not right now. And, you know, also having that business aspect of like turning down opportunities, um, you know, when, when you're, when your cup is full. So um, I definitely feel like um, understanding branding and social media and, and just entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurialism, especially from a social media and technology point has been something that has been so useful because, you know, as I'm sure you're, you're probably experiencing as well, um, just technology and social media is moving so quickly. Like as soon as you get a handle on one aspect of it, another has been created. And we, we are now living in this world of, um, you know, five to second videos of capturing your audience. But um, it's been so exciting to, to see it. And also, you know, it's really helped me as a businesswoman to go all in because as a journalist, um, when you were looking for a job as a reporter, you would have to make these, you know, tape to tape things where they were like on old school VHSs. But basically, ironically, what they would call them is reels. And, you, you know, our, our my professors and editors would be like, you got 30 seconds. That's how long you have to impress an editor or a news director. You can give them a three minute, you know, whatever, but you have 30 seconds. And that's just been drilled and ingrained to me since I started studying um, my my craft and my career. And so as I started to see social media and this convergence of arts and, and fiber and all of that um, happening and taking place online, it's really helped me to not be afraid of, um, you know, knowing that I've got to create something that captures attention and, you know, 10 seconds or less and to be able to edit that and already having so much experience with video editing is just really, really worked out um, in a helpful, in a helpful way for me. So um, it's definitely something, especially through OML at our events um, and through our blog and website. And again, also, you know, you utilizing my writing tools with that um, to encourage other people that, you know, it's wonderful to um, have a love and a craft, Uh, our love and um, passion for the craft as a hobby, but there are very, um, you know, specific technical things that you can do if you want to take it the next level up and have it be a business. And that these may be things that you need to come to terms with um, or work on or, you know, just become aware of when you want to run it as a business. And so to be able to share that information and also have other, um, 
entrepreneurs in the business to be able to share that information um, to people who may not know it or who may be holding themselves back on it has been has been really exciting. And you've been able to do a couple of other things. You um, you uh, wrote self published two books with our Maker Life, and then yes. more recently. Um, have a book. It's like a compilation book of patterns and stories that was published with Abrams in 2021. That's like an Our Maker Life book. And so um, I wondered if um, if the experience of working with, you know, Abrams is a pretty large mainstream publisher was different for you than doing the self-publishing. If you, if you felt like it was a worthwhile thing to, to do both or, or really just, you know, especially working with a mainstream publisher at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I have to give a little shout out to um, my co-founder, Homel co-founder Kelly again, because she also has a journalism, a photojournalism background um, from school. So, um, you know, when we were in OML together, she was just like, ah, man, I got to get this outlet out. Like I got to lean into my photojournalism outlet. And so, you know, we had gotten to talking and um, creating these books where we get a chance to feature makers, but to, to do writing and to do graphic layout and design and all that stuff, it really became like our baby and something that we became passionate about. But um, as uh, publishing and, and the book industry is is such a, <laughs> it is very, very dynamic. And it's so many things um, that we became very new to once we dipped our toes into the publishing world. Um, it was definitely very interesting, but uh, definitely hard work. And um, so we did end up publishing two volumes featuring makers. Um, and, and like you said, it's a showcase of, again, giving another media platform for makers to tell their stories of how they started their businesses or how they started in knitting and crochet or weaving or um, yarn dyeing um, as a hobby and to also share patterns because like that is, you know, we're all about our patterns, whether we're designing them ourselves or um, buying them from other makers. So we really wanted to showcase that in our books. Um, but self-publishing is a lot of hard work. So having the opportunity to be able to publish with Abrams, which like you said, is a um, a, a large um, publishing house and to have that support um, and also that technical skill was absolutely worthwhile to really be able to be um, a communication peg with um, the makers that we were featuring and, and sort of lean back into that of like, okay, um, you know, how do you want to tell your story? Um, this is how you can get the best picture, you know, of your yarn or the sweater, you know, or whatever piece it is that you're designing. And to really just be able to think about, um, again, OML's core, our core mission, but to have such a supportive team that's like, okay, you can focus on that. And then we'll focus on, you know, right. uh, the layout. We'll focus, we'll help you with the tech editing. We'll help you with making sure that it cohesively tells a story. Mm -hmm. uh, is, um, uh, just an amazing experience. We It, it took about two years um, for our book, which is aptly called the um, Our Maker Life book. <laughs> so um, it features um, approximately 30 makers and pattern designers and, again, their stories and their patterns. Um, and it took about two years um, to, to publish the book, but it was so absolutely worth it. And um, I'm, I'm so excited to... Um, be with the Abrams family, especially alongside some other wonderful um, businesses and brands in the industry as well, who are also with the Abrams team. So they really understand craft and how to tell that story from a publishing aspect. And how do you balance, before we get to your recommendations, how do you balance all of these things? So you have these book projects that you're working on. I know you're um, doing um, a, a project with the Crafters Box, which is a subscription um, program for crafters, and then obviously planning these online, you know, the online th uh, content as well as in-person event coming up. And you have a day job, which um, is important to you as well. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on how you structure your day or structure your week so that you can do all of the things that make you happy. 
Oh, that's such a great question, Abby, and, and thank you. Um, yeah, I definitely have given myself um, grace to realize I don't have to have it all figured out, whereas you, where I, I used to try to figure out, okay, like, what's what's my plan and, and strategy to balance and live? <laughs> and especially in the last two years, I feel like it's like just survive day at a time. But um, I guess um, from a more... Um, technical standpoint, I am a big planner. So I am, I've got about three calendars. (laughs) So we definitely like just taking time out um, of the day, just setting an hour or two aside to write down um, Sunday is my day of where I'm just, I'm looking at my week ahead. I've, I've really um, learned a lot from reading different business books and things like that of just like planning ahead is absolutely essential. Um, if you don't get to everything on your to-do list or your planner that day or that week or that month, that's okay, but you need to plan it um, out. And it not only does that help you um, in your productivity, but it helps you to have a, a holistic view of like, okay, what am I not doing? What is, you know, what is constantly just sitting on my task list and why? And then can I let that go? Um, So that was a big one for me because I'm a big visionary and obviously a person who has uh, for most of my life, whether it be through college or running my businesses, I've always been doing a lot of things. That's that's just been my story. And um you know, sometimes as a visionary, you got this idea, this idea, and, and you need a team, but you also have to be able to kind of reel that in yourself. So I've had a lot of ideas with my businesses um, that I wanted to do, but when I see them on my task list or I see those, you know, emails just hanging, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to put this down or just let it go so that I can be more productive on on the things that I'm within capacity to handle. Um So, yeah, definitely planning, um, just setting structured time aside to, okay, I know in the mornings I'm going to get up, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, um, I'm going to spend an hour or two hours answering emails, and then I'm going to reward myself um, by knitting on my, you know, knitting the sleeves of my sweater because, you know, that's my time to jam out. (laughs) Or treat myself by going to a local yarn store and, you know, looking at some some beautiful yarn. Or me, I, I look and buy. <laughs> so I definitely indulge. But, um, yeah, I, I think just giving yourself permission to know that, you know, you need to see what you're doing. But it's okay if you don't get to everything has definitely been a big help for me within my productivity. Also, what has been essential for me, especially in the last two years, um, I've had the pleasure of being able to um, work remote. So definitely not having to have that commute peg yeah. in my day. <laughs> That's been huge, huge for it's so many people. Yeah. yeah, because it, and, and it's so interesting how so many people didn't realize that like, I literally have an extra two days, right. I'm sorry, two hours in my day. Right. No, 100% where, where, I, where you're actually yeah. able to spend that time doing something else that's, rather than sitting, time. <laughs> sitting in the car and public transportation, 100%. So yeah, that's yeah. great. So yeah, being able to um, be remote has been great. But it's also both challenged me and allowed me this great opportunity to really lean into self-care, probably more so than I have ever in my life in the last two years. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go full steam trying to do everything and please everyone until I burn out and I don't invest back in myself. So I really, um, I love to do yoga. I love to exercise. I love to go out and walk to the lake near my house or go walk to the beach near my house. Um, I like to take time to play with my kitten. Um go have a good meal with friends, take time to just turn on some nice music and cook myself a good meal. Um, I didn't realize how important and essential those things were, um, especially living in a big city of 3 million that literally um, didn't stop, you know, until the pandemic hit. And it was just, it was, it was crazy. It's just like, I didn't even really see how fast I was moving. And then, you know, you kind of wonder like, why am I so burnt out? But you know, really just leaning into um, being still, being quiet, um, and reinvesting in my, um, I like to think of it of just like, you know, just that 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 good energy, um, whether, whether you view that as like a feminine energy of reinvesting back in yourself, um, 
you know, just leaning into that has been so um, helpful for me and being, you know, productive in my businesses. And that's really how I can, you know, for me, I think that's how I'm able to juggle it all because I have the energy, I have the energy, I have the focus to be able to do it. And I know that, hey, if I dedicate this time, I'm going to reward myself. I'm not going to put myself down. I'm not going to judge myself that it's 630 and I didn't get to everything on my task list. No, I'm going to celebrate the wins that I did do. And then I'm going to, you know, go do some yoga or go go have a mimosa with my with my best friends here in the city. But, um, yeah, really just being able to um, slow down. And it's it's something that I had. uh, I really shared a lot on North Nits and even through OML in the last two years, because um, I think it's something that a lot of other people didn't realize either of just how fast, whether you live in a small town or, um, you know, a large city or you have a, a big family or if it's just you you know, we really move really fast. And, you know, I'm like, hey, knitting is such a slow craft. I know. And and that's what brought you to knitting in the first place was community and also Mm -hmm. that sense of mental well-being and unwinding. So so you always have to stay connected to that. And that's amazing. So I want to get to your recommendations because you have some really good ones. So you have a book to recommend. And I ask, I've never heard of this book. I haven't read it. It's called A Court of Thrones and Roses by Sarah Moss. Yes. Um, I am really indulging. And I was going to say um, journaling and, and reading books uh, has also been a great outlet for me to where I can have that um, that work-life productivity and balance. So um, yeah, I'm about halfway through this book right now. It's a it's a, a non, I'm sorry, it's a fiction uh, series. And it's full of um, magic, magical kingdom and wolves. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a cool little um, fiction story. And um, I really like that sort of um, fantasy, uh, fiction, magical Game of Thrones yeah. type vibe. And that's really where the story um, is going. So I'm, I'm still currently reading it. And this is the first book in the series, but it's it's definitely a page turner and it's full of magic and fantasy and just a really well, well-written um, book. It also has like some YA fantasy vibes to it as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really loving it. And it, it's a, it's a nice mind easer from totally. you know, reading all the total <laughs> escape from reality. Stuff. Yeah. I yeah. Totally that's good. Indulge and have like, you know, um, you know, just like a, a total, just like, like I said, mind ease. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you also wanted to recommend the, our maker life network, which is, a community online that's connected to our Make a Life, but it's free. Anyone can, who wants to can can sign up. It sounds like, and yes. it's not on Facebook, so it's uh, it's like a Facebook group, but you don't have to be on Facebook to be part of this. Yeah, and I need to shout out Gen Z because <laughs> Gen Z is like they're taking social media and community to new levels, and I've been seeing a lot of these community networks. Um, platforms, which, you know, it's like, it's not quite like a blog, but it's not quite just social media either. And and that's, um, you know, what these platforms are. So this is um, one of the platforms is where the OML community network is based. So it is an online virtual platform, but it's, it's a hub of where you can, um, you know, have your own profile and bio and share your favorite crafts and your website and your shops and all of that, much like you would on social media, but there are also community threads. So we can, um, you know, like there's a thread for, you know, book lovers, there's a thread for if you are an early bird riser and like, you know, you can share what you're working on, um, you know, at 6 a.m. in the morning, um, there is a thread where you can talk about business and entrepreneurialism because that, again, is such a core part of our OML events. And people love to continue that conversation much long after the events are over. So yeah, the OML um, network is is a community-based hub where, um, again, you can um, have a social profile and share that, but it's, it's a specific hub within a community. So it's free to join and you really get this way of where you can um, talk to other people 
um, just in a little bit more of a niche space. It's not, you know, it's 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 not the metaverse, <laughs> right? Is it um, is it built on Mighty Networks or it is. okay, yes. yeah, okay, mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and then you also wanted to recommend um, a bottom up seamless sweater um, that's designed by Andrea Mowry that you're working on the Weekender sweater. Yes. New fave sweater ever. <laughs> I'm currently on Sleeve Island, and it's so funny. I went and I was like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm totally not going to get on Sleeve Island. Like, I've been whizzing through my sweater, but I am on Sleeve Island. So, um, yes, this is uh, my first um, bottom up sweater that I've ever knit, but I absolutely love it. It's one of Andrea Maori's most popular sweater um, patterns. It uses a beautiful, um, worsted weight yarn. I think the recommended yarn that she uses for it is Brooklyn Tweed Shelter. Um, But I actually am using um, a beautiful worsted weight yarn by Spin Cycle Yarn um, called Wololo um, Dream State. So uh, it has very vibrant colors in it. And so you get like this really just um, mix of like fair isle look without having to do, I guess, like fair isle knitting. (laughs) Um, But yes, it is a a seamless made in the round bottom up um, worsted weight sweater with this beautiful um, open boat neck collar with um, ribbing on the bottom and then ribbing on the top. Um, You get to indulge in some really cool short row work and um, also um, making uh, knitting in the round, but basically inside out because it actually features a stockinette or reverse stockinette stitch with this wonderful um, pearled um, seamless uh, uh, faux seam is what I'm trying to say. So uh, yeah, it's, it is a beautiful sweater. I absolutely see why it's so popular. Um, I had the chance to meet Andrea at an event that I went to and she is such an amazing person. And so many people at the event were wearing all of her designs. So I, I was like, okay, I'm on, you know, I'm I'm hip now. I'm hip to the game. <laughs> so I told her, I was like, when I get back home, I'm going to go look for one of your patterns and make it. And so I'm so happy that I came across this one. It really is a beautifully designed sweater. And um, I'm like I said, I'm currently halfway through my first sleeve, but so ready to finish it so I can start another one. <laughs> I'm like, I got to hurry up. And then I got to get my Brooklyn Tweed yarn too, so I can start making my second one. But yeah, it's some really, really fun techniques um, that you get to indulge in um, in the sweater. So I'm having so much fun with it. Definitely recommend it if you're up for those mindless um, points in a sweater where you can knit in the round and totally like just Netflix and chill out. It's it's that's so much about about it, and I love it. Well, Joel, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much, Abby, for the opportunity. Um, Please stay connected with myself at North Knits on Instagram. My team and I are also at Our Maker Life on Instagram. Um, That's ourmakerlife.org. Again, you can directly join our virtual community there. And um, I know I'll be seeing many who are probably tuning into this podcast at the event on July 23rd in Portland, Oregon on the West Coast. So thank you so much, Abby, for this opportunity to share my story with you. And you've been listening to the Craft Industry Alliance podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Burnett International will identify which steps are needed to prepare for the growth your business is capable of. We successfully guide our partners through all stages of product development, sourcing, and manufacturing. We are offering you a free business diagnostic session. Sign up at bernetintl.com slash promo or email us at fabricteam at burnettinternational.com. Let's make a plan today. Today. Craft Industry Alliance is a community for craft professionals. When you become a member of Craft Industry Alliance, you get in-depth coverage of craft industry news, the opportunity to connect with fellow professionals for advice and support, and access to an educational library filled with ideas, tools, and resources to help you as you build your business. Join us at craftindustryalliance.org. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next time.